Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Today I'm sharing uh, on the number one, uh, part one of our Songs in the Key of Life series. And what a great way to start it with a song in the key of life. So life, what is life? We're called Life House here. And when we think of life, we think of things like plants growing and puppies being born. When we think of life, we think about, we think about what's life? We think about joy. We think about smiling faces. What's life? Playing just dance with the family. You know, dance like no one's watching. It's those joyful moments. It's like ice cream. Who likes ice cream or chocolate? It's Life is joy. Joy is happiness, dancing, music, food. It's uh, laughing, funny movies, dogs. Cats, maybe. For some people it's cats, right? Where's Marilyn? You love cats, Marilyn. Some people love cats. It's cats. I think God probably made cats. You know, it's joy when you get home and you see your dog wagging its tail. It's like, that's life, right? It's, it's, remember... Do you guys remember the first time you drove a car when you got your license and you, and you sat behind it and you, you turned it over and it was a V8 and, it, you know, it was rumbling away and then, and then you put, uh, you know, like a, a, a tape in the, a mixtape that you'd made. What's um, Shannon Knoll, that Shannon Knoll song playing? I'm going to drive, you know, and it's like, I got a car, you know. And you remember, do you guys remember the first time you drove a car, how good that felt? And you just, you've got, you don't worry about anything, you're just on the road and you're just driving, you've got your song playing. That's life. You know, these moments in life, seeing babies born, seeing people get married, uh, people buying houses together, that's what Brock and... And uh, Tash, Tash is there. Where's Brock? He's, oh, there he is. How good did it feel when you got the key to your house you just bought together and you're like, this is, this is life, right? And you walk through the front door. Did I feel, did it feel good? It was all right. It was all right. Like we have these moments that we call life, being in love for the first time. Remember that when you first had a crush on someone and you looked across and she was like, <laughs> you know, and she gave you the look back. It's like, oh, wow. It's life, right? So life is joy. But life is also pain. It's also really hard. It's heartbreak. I remember my first crush and I remember that moment and then I finally plucked up the courage 
to talk to her and she turned her back on me and walked away. Oh my gosh, did that hurt. I thought I'd never recover. Heartbreak, divorce, pain, sickness, cancer. Like life isn't all just about driving a car and listening to Shannon Knoll and love and it's also really, 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 really hard. It's tragedy. It's death. It's looking in the mirror and realising you're not the person you wished you'd be. It's making mistakes. Like, that's hard. So life is complex. And the Psalms are a collection of songs in the key of life. It's about mountaintop experiences and they're about heartache. And King David experienced it all. He experienced it all. He experienced rejection from his father. But he also experienced the acceptance of being a love of God. He experienced being alone in the wilderness, looking after sheep. But he also experienced the closeness of a friendship in Jonathan that the Bible describes as loyal and caring. And Jonathan had his back through everything. He experienced being hated by his brothers, but he experienced being loved by his army of mighty men. He experienced victory over Goliath, but he experienced deep failure in his own morality when he committed adultery and murder. He experienced success as a leader, but failure as a father. He experienced losing a child. King David experienced it all, the highs and the lows. And whatever you've been through this morning, chances are, that David would understand. Some of us here have been through tragedy. Chances are David would understand. He knows what it was like and he wrote about it in the Psalms. So today I get the privilege of starting our Psalm series, Songs in the Key of Life, a collection of God-inspired songs. They show God's heart of empathy and his desire to be with us through all the ups and downs of this thing we call life. Today I want to start with an exegesis of Psalm 40. Why Psalm 40? Well, Psalm 40 personally has been a real encouragement to me. It's, um, it's really a pattern. Psalm 40 is a pattern on how to, how to deal with a bad day. 
how to get through a bad day. It's a method. It's a study about how to deal with heartache. It's a God-inspired example of how to be spiritually minded. So what do I mean by that? In um, Romans 8, 6, it says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. In other versions, it says, To be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be led by the flesh, our natural desires, is death, but to be led by the spirit. To have the mind of the spirit is life and peace. So David wasn't perfect, but he understood how to get his mind aligned with what God was doing. He had the ability to to line up his thoughts with that, to have a heart aligned with God, right? He knew how to face a bad day. That's probably King David's biggest strength. In fact, um, the tougher things were, kind of like the better he was. King David wasn't really good with facing a good day. That's when he got into trouble. It's when everything was going good. But he knew how to face hardship. He, he got that. And I think we can learn a lot from the Psalms and a lot from David around how to deal with turmoil, heartbreak, tragedy. How to align our thoughts. There's only 17 verses and I'm going to work through it. It's going to be a little tough in a sense that the flesh is what comes natural to us. And so our natural response to a bad day is quite often the opposite of what God's calling us to do. So as we work through these things, you may find yourself a bit triggered because bad days are tough and a whole heap of emotion can come up and what we naturally want to do to to step away from our natural response to fight, revenge, different things and relax in God's arms and be led by him. So it might be a bit tough, but like it's if it's tough for you, it's also tough for me. So we'll do this together. Deal? <laughs> So I'm going to kind of like mumble my way through these psalms. We'll do it together and, and I think the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us, yeah? Let's pray. Father, I just pray for today. I thank you for David. I thank you that you taught him how to deal with some pretty tough stuff and you can teach us if, if we let you. So we open our hearts up to you today, Father. Speak to us, guide us, lead us, challenge us convict us and give us the strength through your Holy Spirit to walk led by you and not by our flesh. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's get into it. Verse 1 says, uh, says this. So this is Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. And he set my feet on a rock. And he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth and a hymn of praise to our God. 
Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. So on a bad day, we remember. On a bad day, we remember. What we notice here is the first thing that King David does is remember. So he's not in the slimy pit anymore. Right? He's not in the miry clay anymore. He's going through another storm and he's, the first thing he does is he remembers the past. When God got him out of something before. I don't know for you, but that's not natural for me. Uh, what's natural for me is, is yeah, to remember when something goes wrong, when something's bad, but remember all the other times things went wrong. Am I the only one that does that? I'm very good at being reflective, but not so much reflecting what God's done, not so good at reflecting on all the things that he's done in my life, but I tend to trigger. Who here's ever triggered I tend to, uh, to remember all the bad things. I, I remember um, when I was a kid, we had this, this, uh, these people coming, broke into our house and they uh, grabbed my dad and threatened to beat him up. And, and I remember being terrified. And when I go through situations now where... Um, where it's tense, where there's a potential violence, where it seems like there's someone's going to get hurt, I, I can I can feel the same emotion uh, rise up in me uh, of of stuff in my past sometimes, and I feel maybe scared or fear or, or that kind of thing. Has anyone ever experienced that when? When something, maybe shouting voices or something happens and it affects you, it's like this remembering from your past kind of shoots up and it's like you're back there. When things go wrong and, and I, I try my best and maybe I, it doesn't work out the way I want, I sense that feeling of failure. Quite often all these thoughts come back about all the times I failed. Things don't work out for me. So I'm great at being reflective. But that's the flesh reflective. What God is calling us to do and what King David had learned was to remember. Not remember all the things that had gone wrong, but remember all the things where God had come through. So what do we do on a bad day? We remember. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he placed my feet on a rock. And King David was really good at this. Uh, those of you that know King David's story, remember what he said when he was about to face Goliath. He said, this is one of my favorite verses as well. He said, the Lord that delivered me from the bear and the Lord that delivered me from the lion, he's going to deliver me from you. See how this is in action. He's, he's, his mind is attuned to God's victories in his past. 
And he's standing on that and he's facing the problems that are in front of him with what the victories God has done in his past. Is that cool? So that's what, as a church, let's do that. Let's learn to remember what God has done. It's a really, really a great foundational principle. On a bad day, remember. Verse 4, our next section says this. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you've planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell your deeds, there would be too many to declare. So here what we see is David is going from like a a head or a heart thing, going from the place of remembering and he's starting to put it into words. He's starting to speak it out. He's speaking it out. He's engaging his mouth. I don't know if you've noticed, um, but we tend to have these these things that we speak. And when we put words on a thought and let it come out of us, it's, it's kind of powerful, right? And the, our thoughts and our feelings start to gain momentum. So what are the things that come out of your mouth when you're having a bad day? What are the things that, what it is for me is uh, if things are going wrong, I tend to say something like this. Why can't things ever work out for me? Why can't, why does this always happen to me? This is crap and it's always crap and it just doesn't work out. It works out for everyone else. Everyone else tries, but why is it not fair for me? What's your, what's your narrative that comes out of your mouth on a bad day? Maybe it's, I care for others and no one cares for me. Maybe it's, I don't deserve this. This is, this is not fair. This is not fair. Life's not fair. Maybe it's like revenge. I'm going to get them back. You'll see. They're not going to go over treating me like this. They're going to pay. They're going to pay. Maybe um, maybe it's like a self-judgment thing. Well, obviously I wasn't, I wasn't good enough. And this is punishment from God. Because... Uh, yeah, I just can't, I can't get it right. I can't get it right and God's punishing me. Or maybe it's like a depressive thought. There's no point trying. There's no point trying. It gets me nowhere. I may as well give up. Or maybe it's an isolation thought. You know what? Everyone can just get stuffed. I can't trust anyone. I'm going to do it myself. Does any of these sound familiar? 
What's yours? What do you tend to say when it's a really bad day, when stuff is going wrong, when you're hurt, when you're hurting? Mine's more the, the trust one. I do, I do tend to isolate. I remember when me and Holly were having re- really bad in our relationship and the thing that came out of me was I was actually angry at God. I said, God, this is how you repay me. I've done, I've done everything. I've tried my best and this, this is how you repay me. I obviously can't trust you. See, in my heart there were some issues and it, and it came out of my mouth. So what comes out of your mouth? Well, here we see King David. He's, he's aligned his heart with the Spirit. He's remembering what, that God is behind him. God is for him. He's remembering his, his, in a sense, his salvation. He's lifted up out of the miry clay. And it moves into his mouth and it starts to come out. He's like, oh, I can't even name all the things you've done, God. It's just it's, you've done this and you've done that. And he's reflective God's power and, and salvation in his life. Does everything gone well in his life? No, but he, he manages to put words to the Spirit. So the first thing we do is remember. The second thing we do is speak. We speak out what the Holy Spirit is reminding us. Is it easy? No. It's a really good way to face a bad day. Verse 6. This is really interesting. Lean in with this one. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. But my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. I didn't really know what to call this one. Like the, 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 the remember one and the speak one was straightforward. But this one's a little different. It's like he's saying burnt offerings you didn't require. It's like, where does this come from? What's he trying to say? Third stage of grief is bargaining. I don't know if you've heard about this this psychologist from Sweden. I think it came up with the five stages of grief. And the third stage of grief is bargaining. We try to bargain. When things aren't going the way we want, when we feel broken, we try to make a deal. Maybe try to make a deal with God. I don't know if any, any of you have ever done that. It's like something's going really wrong and you say, God, if you do this thing for me, I will serve you. I'll go to church every week. I'll pray. God, I'll give you $1,000. I'll give you everything. And, and sometimes it's serious, right? Someone that we love is desperately sick or, or they're about to die and we say, God, we get on our knees and we say, God, please. If you do this one thing, I'm only asking one thing from you. If you can turn this situation around, I'll do anything. Right? It's bargaining. It's sacrifice. It's cost. I'll fast. I'll go without. I'll pray. I'll give you money. I'll sacrifice. And I think that's kind of a natural reaction. But King David, he understood something. And I think his natural reaction is that that started to come out of him. And then he realized he knew God. He understood that inflicting pain on ourselves or going without can't motivate God. God is motivated by love. 
It's not motivated by us hurting ourselves or going without. It's this idea of bargaining. Is At, at the core of it, it has, has the sense that, that the person that we're bargaining with is an adversary, that they don't have our best heart, you know, they, 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 they don't think that have our best in, in, in mind. They don't care about us. They care about getting the best deal. You know, when you, I remember going to uh, overseas to different, kind of this sense that you're both trying to kind of get the best deal for yourself. And we, we approach God with that. It doesn't work because it's not, He's not trying to rip us off. He's not trying to withhold stuff from us. I was I was praying this week for um, one of my kids who's got been going through a bit of a tough situation, and I found myself saying to God, trying to, in a sense, strike a deal with him. And I, I kind of said, God, if if they've got to, if someone's got to go through this, put it on me. Like I'd. I'd prefer to carry this, you know, rather than them. And um, has anyone here ever prayed that? Maybe your kids are sick or something and you're like, God, make me sick, make them better. Trying to do a bit of a bargain kind of thing. And God spoke to me really clearly and he said, Mark, He said, now, do you understand the heart of God? He's like, can you understand how I look down upon you lot and all that you were going through? So I, I came to earth to carry it. Like that's, that's the same heart that you have. It's like that's the heart of God. He said, that's the kind of bargain I strike where I take the cost and you get the blessing. That's, that's my heart. So King David understood that. So we can let go of bargaining. And we can put ourselves in a position to receive. So on a bad day, we, we reflect on God's goodness. On a bad day, we, we allow ourselves to speak that out. And... We, re- we resist and refuse to jump into bargaining with God, trying to make a deal with Him, and we, we receive that He, he has a, an awesome deal for us. That he paid the cost and we get it. So we resist the temptation to think that He's against us and that we've got to somehow bargain with Him to get what we need because he's for us and not against us. Point four comes from verse seven. And and David says this. Then he said, here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. Some versions say... Here I am, I've come with the scroll written for me. I desire to do your will. My God, your law is within my heart. 
So on a bad day, we, we reflect, we speak, we, we refuse the temptation to, to bargain. But here we really start to zone in. We listen. We listen to God. We understand that we have a word for us from him. King David understood that the word of God was written for him. There was stuff in there for him for this very moment. That there was some word of encouragement, some insight that God was going to have about this that, was going to, that he was going to need. And it's very easy to, and he pauses and he's present. You know, when we go through a bad day, it's very easy to be thinking about all the things that gone wrong and zone in with like a, like a magnifying glass on our problem. With King David, he understood that you can pause. That this is the most important time to stop and be present and be with God and say, God, this is all going wrong and this is really hard and I don't know what to do, but what are you saying to me now? What's in your word for me now? I need, a, I need an encouragement for the future. I need some hope. I need you to see me. God, what do you say about me? Does that make sense? So we listen. We listen. We listen to what he's saying. Verse 9 says this. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips. Lord, as you know, I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. I do not conceal my lips. I do not seal my lips. I do not conceal what, what your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. This is really interesting because already he's talked about speaking. And, and King David starts to kind of lubricate his lips up a bit. And he starts to, instead of his normal narrative of, of negativity or everything that's going wrong, he, he starts to kind of speak out what God is doing in his heart. And to me, that's like a, a, an individual narrative of, of him putting words on what God's doing. And, and I can imagine him walking up and down in his bedroom, starting to speak out what God is saying to him. He pauses and he listens. But here it's different. It's like it's congregational. It's relational. All of a sudden, he's sharing what God has put on his heart with people, with his friends, with people in the temple, in our context, the church. We all have a testimony. We all have a testimony. And it's never more powerful than when we're in a storm. It's like, yeah, our testimony is powerful. When everything's going right and you can share about the goodness of God in your life, 
and, and you can share it with people and friends and you can, you can talk about the, the good thing that God has done. But when you're in a storm, when everything's going wrong, when you're having a hard day and you share on God's goodness, man, that's powerful. That's some, that's some groundbreaking, earth-shattering, heaven-moving but that's it. That's impactive, right? He says, I'll not seal my lips. I'm not going to shut my mouth. When things are going wrong, I'm not going to shut my mouth to what God has done. I'm not going to stop speaking about his goodness. Is that challenging? Man, I think out of all of them, that challenges me the most. Because how hard is it to talk about the good things that God is doing in our lives when, when they seem a long time ago? King David says that. He says, I'm not going to stop speaking. I'm not going to seal my lips. Everything's gone wrong. I'm not going to seal my lips. I'm going to tell people of your love, of your blessing, of what you've done, of who you are. Of your greatness, right? There's two kind of parts to this, right? Because there's David. And, and in a sense, he's a victim. Everything's going wrong and he's sharing out God's goodness to the congregation. But this verse here isn't just about him. It's also about you, the congregation. Because if he's sharing something, you need, you need someone with a mouth, but you also need someone with ears. And as a congregation, as a church, I kind of want to zone in and challenge us to be a church with ears because it matters. It's like when we ask someone how their day is going that we bother to listen. Going through a hard day needs is they need someone to be a congregation. They need someone to stop and pause and hear. And there's a lot of power in that. So let's be that. Let's be that for the person having the hard day. Let's be that for the Davids that are feeling like they're in a miry pit, the, the people that have lost their mom or their dad or got a bad health diagnosis or having a marriage breakup or, and they need to speak it out. We need to speak it out. David says, I'll not, I'll, I'll not seal my lips. I'm going to speak it out to the congregation. So let's be a congregation that hears, that listens. So on a bad day, we remember on a bad day, we speak. On a bad day, we, we resist the temptation to bargain with God. And we tell. We tell. Verse 11 says this. Man, what is going on? A couple in the back as well. 
Verse 11 says this, Do not withhold your mercy from me. Lord, may your love and faithfulness always protect me for troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs on my head. My heart fails within me. So on a bad day, we're honest. You know, sometimes you come across those Christians and they always talk about the good. They always talk about everything that's going good and there's value in that. Don't get me wrong. But here, David is honest, man. Like he's honest. He says, my sins have overtaken me. And you know what? On a bad day, sometimes it's everyone else's fault but often there's a part of it that's my fault and it's really tough to acknowledge that but David is just courageous and he says God I've got issues my guilt overtakes me I've done so much wrong. And you know what? A big part of this day and a big part of this situation is because of me. Oh, Father, I need your grace. So on a bad day, we speak about the goodness of God. But we can be honest. We can acknowledge our part in it and receive God's grace. That's pretty important. Second to last point, verse 13. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, help me. May all who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, Aha! Aha! Be, appa- be appalled in their own shame. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. So on a bad day, we're humble. We're humble. You know what? Sometimes I think we just give ourselves way too much credit to be able to change stuff. To think that we could possibly change a situation. But life is hard and situations are big and we're just human. We're just human. We don't have superpowers. King David is humble. He reflects and realises that that he's just a human. He's poor and needy and his situation surrounds him and there's all these people against him. Sometimes we fail to to understand that we've got an enemy. Sometimes we have kind of human enemies, people that are out against us. But as Christians, we, we have a demonic Force. The Bible says there's huge numbers of demonic spirits in the unseen realm and they're, they're wrought to destroy our lives. How can we fight that? We're just human. But God, 
So he relies on God. He recognises that he can't change the situation, but God can. And on my last point is this. Psalm 40, verse 17. You are my help. You are my God. You are my deliverer. Do not delay. On a bad day, on a bad day, we can be dependent. We can be dependent. When you get a house loan, if any of you guys, some of you guys will do that, some of you have already done it, they ask you, do you have any dependents? Do you have a dependent? You know, the idea on a, on a house load as a dependent is someone that kind of sucks the resources from the family and makes it harder to pay the house off. You know, how many dependents you got? And the more you have, the less likely they are to give you a loan. That's not the way God thinks about dependence. Because with God, the point of the house is it's for the kids. Right? That's the whole point. That's why you're there getting the loan, right, parents? Because you, you need another bedroom. It's for the kids and it, it, we don't suck God dry. And so this idea of dependence on God, I used to think it was like, have you ever seen those puppets and the strings are on their hands and feet? And the best thing a puppet can do is just like relax. And the more relaxed, the better. They just need to completely depend on, and the more they use their muscles, the worse the puppet act is. And I thought that's what it meant to be a Christian. I thought that the goal was just to be like a loosey-goosey, like a floppy, like a jellyfish without a spine. But I was reflecting on this the other day because, you know what, as my, as my kids grow, my goal is not that they will rely on me for everything. Like when they're babies, yes, I can't do a thing. And, and I remember when they kind of popped out and couldn't walk. They couldn't talk. They were useless. But, you know, I loved them. I loved them so much. But my heart and the heart of a father isn't that you stay like that, right? The heart of the father is that they would be like me. I want them to grow not like my weaknesses, but I want them to be like my strengths. And that's what it means to depend on God. Is It's not that you're a jellyfish, just being like, what should I do, God? What should I do, God? Just tell me everything. It's that He wants us to be like Christ. He wants us to be motivated by love, not by fear or, or doubt or like, God, what should we do? Because we don't want to you know, do anything that upsets you, but He wants us to, to grow in the Holy Spirit. And the, and the word depend, I mean here that it's the opposite of independence. That's what I mean by depend. Not that we just like are this floppy thing, but that we deal with the issues of independence in our lives. Wanting to do things on our own. But we deal with that and we partner. We recognize that we're weak. 
we recognize that we need to be humble. We stop and we listen to God, but then we act with our own flesh and our own blood, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we are led, that we're led by Him, but we walk like Christ. Not out of fear of making a mistake, but out of being, wanting to be like our Heavenly Father. Would you like to stand? Father, I just pray for every person here. I pray you'd equip them to be able to know how to deal with a a bad day. Some of these principles that I've spoken about, they understand, but some of them are new. Father, I pray you'd help us to be like you. You'd help us deal with those issues in our lives where, like I said, I do tempted to bargain with God, but help us to, to realize that the bargain you did for us was so beneficial, that you're not against us, that you sent Jesus to, to die for us. So, Father, I pray you'd strengthen us through your Holy Spirit to be more like you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.